Wow, good morning. It's a full house. I love it. Welcome to everybody in the room, everybody outside under the tent, and everybody watching online. We're so glad you're here, especially if you're new. This is your first time. We welcome you to South Bay Community Church. And, uh, you know, speaking of online, I want to take a moment to thank everybody involved in getting our content online. I was speaking with um, a few people recently about church, and why is it that once we open the doors, not everybody has come back right away? And I've had at least three people respond, well, it's because you guys crushed it online. Like, you're, I mean, the, the worship services, kids crew, Zoom gatherings, virtual lobby, prayer meetings. Can we give thanks to our team who have worked so hard to put all the content online? You guys just did a great, it's easy to just stay at home. It's all at our fingertips. It's all accessible to us wherever and whenever we want. Um, I was talking with my life group guys this past week, and we were reflecting on Pastor Ray's message. Uh, if you haven't caught that message, it's online. Go listen to it. Powerful and convicting. But we were just talking about what he was talking about. And Mike Suhu, who was here last night, he was sitting right here in the front row, uh, he brought up this, this truth. He said, man, we, we had such an excellent experience throughout COVID, worshiping as a family at home. Excellent. Every single week, they would watch faithfully. He and his wife, Janet, every Sunday morning, 9 a.m., they'd watch the service. Their kids, Micah and Ella, would participate in kids' crew online, sometimes from behind the screen, sometimes in front of the screen. Uh, but it was really good. And then he came to this conclusion, though. He said, but if I could have an excellent worship experience online, and I can have an excellent worship experience in person. As he's processing, he said, it will always be better to worship in person. He said, if I can have both, it'll always be more beneficial to worship in person. To that, I had to say amen. I, I believe that. I, I think it's true. Why? And I had to give this answer. People. Because there's a congregation of people to serve when you gather with believers. Now, uh, for some of you guys who, especially maybe you heard last week's message, you're, you might be wondering, is that, is that a contradiction? Because you, you've always told us that it's good to watch online. It's okay to watch online. It, it's, it's all there. It's comfortable. It's convenient. It's quality. And now you're telling us to come back in person. And I, I want to just say this in response to that. There was a time when it wasn't safe. It wasn't permitted. It wasn't wise, and quite frankly, it wasn't loving to our community to, to meet in person. And so we encourage you, watch at home. It's convenient. It's quality. And, and, and our point during that time, and we taught it over and over again, is that though COVID should close our doors, COVID is not going to kill the church. We're still going to be intentional about connecting, engaging with one another, worshiping together, even if the doors are closed. But today is a new day. And the situation is now different. And wherever you're listening from, wherever you're watching from, if it is ever safe, if it is permitted, if it's not a risk to the people around you, then my heart and my prayer is that you would be eager, that your heart would long to get back to the gathering of believers. And now, that, that's, that's when you can, okay? I, we still respect if there's legitimate reasons for anybody who just can't do that right now. We're there for you. Online is here to stay. It's not going anywhere because it's not accessible to everybody. And my heart in this message today 
My ultimate goal is not to get people back into this building, South Bay Community Church on 190th Street in Torrance, California. That is not my ultimate goal. My goal is to encourage every single believer to get to a gathering of believers wherever you are. Maybe you're in Washington. Maybe you're in New York. Maybe you're in Brazil. Maybe you're in, in, in Philippines. But find a faithful, Bible-teaching, gospel-centered outreaching church so you're gonna have to use a sermon but get to a body of believers where you can gather together when you can as soon as you can even if it can't be now and and it can't be right away I pray that your heart longs to get back why here's why because I believe that convenience and comfortability without ever considering others becomes consumerism I'll say that again comfort And convenience without ever considering others becomes consumerism, where it's all about what I can get. I'll get church when I want, wherever I want, how I want, in my comfort and in my convenience. And I want to remind us all today that church, church isn't about you. Church isn't just about you. And so today I want to title this message, They is greater than you is greater than I. They is greater than you is greater than I. An alternative title to this message would be How to Save a Life Through Serving. So a couple weeks ago, we started this series called What the World Needs Now, and the answer to that is love. (laughs) The world needs love. And I want to show you today how you can express your love through serving the church. So let's pray, and let's ask the Lord to speak to every single one of us listening today. Let's pray. Father God, we humbly come before you, and I want to humble my heart before you and realize, God, I'm so limited in my effectiveness, my ability to communicate, but God, we look to you because you are without bounds. You are unlimited in what you're able to do, and so we pray that you would not hold back, but you would penetrate our hearts, and you would fill it and flood it with your truth and with your heart. I pray that you would take away any spirit of guilt, any spirit of condemnation. But Lord, we pray that you would usher in your Holy Spirit who brings conviction and you bring truth and your truth sets us free. So God, we invite you to really speak to every single person listening, whether it's today, whether it's at 11 a.m., whether it's next week, or maybe they see this message two years from now. Speak to us now. And so Lord, I pray, uh, as your servant today, that you would use me And I pray that nothing I do today would be successful unless they see that you are speaking and you're working and everything true is from you. So, Lord, we ask for success. So bless us, speak to us, we give you our hearts. And it's in Jesus' name we all say amen. 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 Hey, if you have your Bibles or you have your apps, turn to 1 Peter 4. Open it up. We're going to be in 1 Peter 4 for a bit this morning. And as you turn there, I want to give you some context for what's going on here. So Peter is speaking to people at a time when it, it, was, it was a dark time. It was tumultuous, right? Their faith was under fire as many believers and followers of Christ were being persecuted for their faith in Christ. And while the world around them was so dark and evil, his command to them was love. Love each other deeply. Here's what he says in verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply, 
because love covers a multitude of sin. And so what he's saying is love is what the world needed at that time. Why? Because love, he says, covers a multitude of sins. How does it cover a multitude of sins? Well, love replaces many sins. If you think about it, it's the perfect alternative, right? It's the antithesis of so many sins. For example, people back then were like people today. People envied, people boasted, people were arrogant, people were dishonoring, people were, were, were self-seeking. They kept records of wrong. And isn't it Paul who told us what love is? That not only is love patient and love is kind, but it does not envy it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. That's what love is. And so Peter's suggestion is, Christians, here's what you can contribute to the world, love. Because when people love more, people will sin less. And so love will replace Many sins. It will cover a multitude of sins. So love deeply. And so I think that's a great suggestion, Peter. But how do we love deeply? What does that look like? Give us something practical. Well, thank God he goes on because look at the next verses. In verse 9, he says this. He says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Everyone say serve. Serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in his various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, everyone say serve. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. In other words, what Peter is saying is serve, serve each other. That's how you can love each other deeply. And the church where these believers gather, it's a perfect place for us to learn how to love one another deeply. This church is like a gym where we can spar with one another in love. Right? We're getting this cardiovascular exercise on. We're working out our hearts and learning to love deeper and deeper. Now, here's why I believe it is so essential for believers to get back together where they're gathered together in the presence of God. Because you can't wash the feet of another person if there are no feet in front of you. You cannot learn to put another person in front of you if you're both the first and the last person standing in that room. You can't lay your life down for another if you're the only one there. In other words, our love is severely limited if there's nobody to serve. Our love is limited if there is no body to serve, no body of people to serve. And that's why we must get back to a place where we can practice the commands of God to love one another. So write this down. If you have notes, maybe you have your phone out or your laptop, write this down. You is greater than I. You is greater than I. Your worship of God is going to be greater than my comfort. Your encounter with Jesus, your experience of Christ, your freedom in Him is going to be more 
important than my convenience. And I pray that we would all approach church with that perspective, that you is greater than I. I want to show you a video, and I believe in this video, this is what church should look like. I want to set it up for you. There's no graphic content, but there is a car that had crashed. This is a real footage. A car had crashed, and somebody was trapped. And in order to get that person out, that car had to be lifted up off its side. So check out this video. It's, it's what church should look like. Come on, people. Come on, hurry. And SUVs flipped on its side. 20 people rushed to help. Not one of them deterred by the very real danger of a smoking vehicle exploding. The SUV slammed into a tree in the median. The group of Good Samaritans are desperately trying to keep the car from falling on its side. Mike Ramirez was working out at a gym across the street when he heard a loud crash. A friend of mine uh, just said, Michael, we got to get out there. They need your muscles. Every second counts because there's someone trapped inside they're trying to rescue. And I thought to myself, this, this, this could just explode right now. But then I heard the lady screaming for help, and I just knew I had to be there. Two people had already escaped the SUV. The driver managed to jump out. That's him in the orange shirt. And another passenger, this woman. Come on, people! Carrie Renee Hall is a journalist who shot the video. All these people just started coming from everywhere. You know, a couple people here, a couple people from there, somebody from the gym over here, a bunch of people from here. People were stopping their cars. Everybody just wanted to help. The sight of people selflessly pulling together to help complete strangers brought this woman to tears. That, that really got me because we didn't know if they were alive or not, you know? And they were all helping to lift this really heavy car. Come on, hurry! Hurry! That's what church should look like. A community of people giving up their convenience to rush to help lift the weight so that a person could be set free. And I love that in that video you saw that some were men, some were women. Some were young, some were old, some were black, some were brown, some were white. And yet everybody got their hand. There's this big macho guy you saw, this macho guy who could not have lifted that car on his own. He had his hand on the fender. He wasn't going to get that car up on his own. But it was the hands of the community that helped lift that weight to set a person free. I believe that's what the church should look like. I believe that there are people who through this pandemic have felt stuck in their sin, in their loneliness, maybe in a bad relationship. There have been people who have felt trapped, maybe in their grief, maybe in their despair, maybe in their depression. Broke my heart as I caught up with a friend recently, a spiritual hero to me, man of faith who has given his life to to serve Jesus and to make make him known and during this pandemic, he, he shared with me how he had dark, deep, dark bouts of depression and how he contemplated several times how to take his life, leaving behind his wife and his kids. And he thought about that and that crushed my heart that he should have this weight that was too heavy for him to bear alone. And I praise God that God was able to lift that weight and bring him out. But there's no doubt in my mind that there are people among our church family, in our community, who are trapped underneath that kind of weight, a heaviness too heavy for one to bear alone. 
And so, church, this is where we come in. We roll up our sleeves. We get our hands in there. We help lift weight so that people can be set free. And the reality is you don't set nobody free. But what happens when we serve is we are serving together to make an opportunity available for people to encounter Jesus. And Jesus is the one who can set people free. John chapter 8, verse 36 tells us this. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If Jesus the Son sets one free, that person will be free indeed. And if His truth and His power, His death and His resurrection can set a person free for eternity, set them free from their sin, from death, then He can set them free entirely, completely from anything that should trap them or weigh them down. I saw a few guys yesterday come early to help set up chairs outside under the tent you know what i saw um some guys set up chairs under the tent no i saw some guys creating a place for someone to come and sit so that they can engage in worship of a true and living god so that they can sit and receive the proclamation of god's word and if anybody under that tent was encountering jesus and being changed by the word of god We got to do that together. We got to do that together. Right now, if you look, if you're in this room, look behind, there's that black screen right now. There's a whole team of people behind that curtain. You cannot see them. They are literally behind the scene. So I'm going to put up a picture of those people behind that black curtain. Here's a picture of them right now. In the upper right-hand corner, that's Tina. She's the one who just put up that picture of Tina. She, she just put that picture up of herself, not because Tina wants you to see Tina, because I asked her to put these slides up. I give her the slides that I want you guys to see, including the words of Scripture that you will take into your heart. And so she is helping the Word of God to be seen. Right now, Darren Ogamori is back there behind the booth. He's the one who controls the sound. If it weren't for his faithfulness, all you would hear is... Right? Especially those of you guys watching online or outside, you would not hear the word of God preached, but because of his service, the word of God is being heard. There are ushers around this room who have arranged the seats and sat you down to make sure that you are safely distant from each other so that your health and your safety isn't a distraction to your worship. There are security people walking around this building to make sure that you can worship comfortably without thinking of your own danger. And so if anybody this weekend or anybody here or anybody listening is able to hear the word of God or see the word of God or to experience the word of God, we got to do that together. If anybody is able to encounter the Son and experience Jesus and be set free, We got to do that together. We all put our hands in there to help lift loads and watch people experience freedom. Last week, Mandy Ogamori, who's our Kids Crew director, she told us that she just needed one more person to help serve so that we can open up our first Kids Crew service. And after last week's call, so many of you guys responded. Thank you for responding. You know what that does? That allows us to open up Kids Crew. And we're so happy to announce that in May, on May 9th, we're going to start our first 
of many services. It's just going to be one for fourth and fifth graders. But from there on, as more servants volunteer, we're going to be able to roll out kids' crew services. Do you know what that does? That's going to give a whole bunch of kids the freedom to worship Jesus together. Because kids need Jesus too, amen? They need Jesus too. They need his freedom as well. But not only does that impact the kids' faith, that's going to impact the parents' And give the parents freedom to come because they might otherwise have to be at home to watch their kids while service is going on, being distracted by what's going on. But they can now be freed up to come to church, send their kids to kids' crew, and also be able to come and engage in worship with a family of believers and hear the proclamation of God's word. And if anybody encounters the son and the son sets them free, we were able to do that together. We were able to do that together. So church, when you serve, what you're doing is you're rolling up your sleeves, you're getting your hands in there, and you're helping connect souls to Jesus. And he has incredible, crazy power to set people free. And so let me take you back to 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. Again, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Everyone say serve. Serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in his various forms. If anyone speaks, and that happens to be me today, but if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. But if anyone serves, and I pray that's every other one of you, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. God has given each believer a gift from his Holy Spirit, an ability. That means every one of us has a role. Everybody has a role. And even if it's just once a month, if you can only just serve once a month, that's still you rolling up your sleeves and getting your hand in there to help lift a load. And together, I believe, we'll see people set free. And I'm telling you, this is what the world needs now. Your love expressed through serving so that people can encounter Jesus. So I pray that every one of us would always approach church and look at the others around you and say, you, you're greater than I. And that your worship of God and experience of Christ is greater than my comfort and convenience. You is greater than I. Now, as I, as I try to serve you, like you are greater than I, I pray that you would also have the mentality that they are greater than than you. So write this down. Write this down. They, greater than you, greater than I. They is greater than you, which is greater than I. Now, the question is, who, who are they? Who's they referring to? Well, they are those on the outside of this church. They are those who are outside. Now, I think about heaven often, and I'm not trying to sound spiritual here, I really do think about the day that I'll get to enjoy heaven. And I was thinking as I was preparing this message, what is it going to be like? Like the millions of surprises, I don't even, I can't even imagine or comprehend. And all the spiritual heroes of the faith that I grew up reading about will be there. I can't imagine, you know, there's, there may be a table full of fine fare, the table of the king that I get to dine at. I can't imagine that I'll, I might be able to get to eat with King David. 
that's crazy to me. I, I'm, I'm surely, I'm going to try to RSVP and get a luncheon with Moses. I'm going to chill with Moses. Hear his story. And I, I would love to have a dinner, a long dinner with Job. And Job, tell me stories. How did you get through all that suffering? How did you persevere in faith? Can't wait. I'm getting chills as I talk about it. I, I wonder, you know, all the loved ones of mine who have passed in Christ before me, it's going to be a sweet reunion. I know there's debate if there's going to be surfing or not in heaven. <laughs> the Revelation says the sea will be no more. I pray that they're surfing in heaven. I mean, if Kelly Slater can make a nearly perfect wave pool on earth, I'm pretty sure my God can make perfect wave pools in heaven. I don't know, but I hope so. Nowadays, I, 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 I'm hoping and praying there's, there's mountains and hills for me to mountain bike on. I'm not sure what's going to be there, but I know there's going to be surprises that we can't even comprehend. But I can tell you one thing for sure that will not be in heaven. I can guarantee you. One thing none of us will see in heaven. An unbeliever. None of us will see a single non-believer, non-Christian in heaven. And church, that is why we exist. That is why we are here on earth. And this is what the world needs now. And I want to remind every person listening, maybe this is your first time hearing this, but I want to remind you of what the mission of our church is. And it's to help people who are far from God, to help people all over the world far from God, to find and follow Jesus Christ. And that comes straight from the great commission of Jesus when he told us to go and make disciples of all nations. This is our mission. This is why we exist. God forbid that my mission ever becomes to enjoy Jesus myself in my own comfort and in my own convenience. God forbid I ever get there. And I, I want to say it again, comfort and convenience is not bad. It is not bad, but it is terrible if comfort and convenience should ever take us away from the mission. If it should ever distract us from the mission, because there is a world desperately in need of Jesus. You may be able to get great worship and a good word at home. And we praise God for that. But I pray that our hearts would always long for those who do not yet know Jesus to be able to get great worship and a good word in a place they can call home along with the family of believers in which you are found among. I pray that our hearts would yearn to see the outsider be able to come in and find Jesus. And so another reason why your serving matters. Why does your serving matter? Because it's what the outsider needs now. It's what the outsider needs now. 1 Corinthians. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians. And in chapters 12, 13, and 14, Paul's talking about these spiritual gifts that the Christians have received. And he's talking about how do we use them? Why do we use them? What's the purpose? And then in chapter 14, he gets into this idea that the gifts are not to serve yourself and to edify yourself. It's to build others up. Your gifts are not for you. It's for others. Chapter 14, he talks about these two particular gifts, the gifts of tongues and the gift of prophecy. And those are two gifts that were exercised in that Corinthian church. 
They were two gifts that people loved, but here's what he said about them. Here's the purpose. We're to use these gifts in a way that helps an outsider come in to worship God. So look at chapter 14, starting in verse 23. He says, if therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, right, a language that no one understands, and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say, you are out of your minds? In other words, won't that freak them out and drive them away? But if all prophesy, an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. And Paul says to the church, I want you to exercise your gifts when you come together as a congregation to think about the outsider. Serve in such a way that's going to bring outsiders in, not just physically from the outside of a building to the inside of a building, but ultimately from the outside of the kingdom into the kingdom where they see Jesus Christ is king and they see the glory of God to the point where they want to just fall down and worship him. That's our goal. That's how we ought to serve. With the outsider in mind. So when you use your gifts to serve church, we're rolling up our sleeves and we must be mindful of the outsider. This is why we exist. This is why we're still here on earth. And the reality is if none of us uses our gift, if none of us use our gift, then none of this would happen right now. This wouldn't, this wouldn't happen. And therefore, there would be nothing for an outsider to walk into. And so we're working together to create something for an outsider to walk into. I love this story. There's a guy who was anti-Christian. He was a Christian-hating atheist. He was... Uh, talking about how he would always wear a white power necklace around his neck. He bragged about how he had demons tatted on his back and on his arms. For 26 years of his life, he was addicted to hard drugs. Specifically, crystal meth was his thing. He hung out with killers and dealers and convicts. They were his friends. He was in and out of jail for illegal possession of firearms and narcotics. And he hated Christians. He mocked Christians. He called them money-hungry hypocrites. All they want is your money. In 2013, when this building was being renovated and built, he would drive down 190th on his way to work, and he would see this church being erected, and he would mock the church. He would curse the church. He, he said he would, he would curse the crazies that would one day fill this church. He's talking about you guys. He's calling you guys crazies. And he said he would mock these crazies because they're giving their life to nothing. Well, his girlfriend at the time got saved while she was locked up. She found Jesus. And not only did Jesus set her free eternally, but she was eventually set free. And she came out and she said to her boyfriend... At that time, she said, hey, I'll make a deal with you. I'll go with you to your NA meetings, your Narcotics Anonymous meetings, if you go with me to a church meeting. 
<laughs> he laughed at that. Couldn't believe what she was asking him. She says, I don't care. I'm going to look for a church. She looks on Yelp. She finds this church. South Bay Community Church on 190th Street. That's where we're going. And he's, like, oh, that, he's like, I know exactly where that church is. That's the church I mock. I drive by it every day. And surprisingly, he agreed. He said, I'll go to that church with you. And he said, I was going to go with the intention of picking it apart and showing you the, the reasons why we will never go back there again. I will show you how hypocritical they are. So that morning, that Sunday morning, they got ready. They came to church. And when he stepped from the outside to the inside, he came to attack South Bay Community Church. He said the moment he stepped in, he said, I was attacked by this little Korean lady named Suna, who's right here in the first row. That in his words, sorry to put you on the spot, but in his words, he says, she ambushed me with love. She came and embraced me and welcomed me. And he said, when she did, I felt something that I never felt before. I don't think she was on the greeting team, but she greeted him and welcomed him and ushered him, walked with him around the church, showed him a seat, and he sat down. And when he came to critique the message, he said, God did nothing but speak to my heart. God spoke like he was speaking directly to me. He said, I came back the next week. And then I came back the week after that, and the week after that, and the week after that. He says, like, every week it was like God was speaking straight to me the things I needed to hear. And two years later, this happens. Kevin <laughs> declares his faith in Jesus Christ and gets baptized. He became a crazy for Jesus. This is why we exist. The church is the hope of the world. The church is the hope of the world. And I love that we have been collectively concerned about the physical health and safety of the people of this community for an entire year, so much so that, that we should close the doors to keep people safe from sickness. And now that the doors are open, that concern has not gone away. We're going to still be concerned about your health and your safety from sickness. We will. But let us never forget that 100% of people have been infected with sin. And sin will kill 100% of the people it infects unless somehow they receive the, rem the remedy for their sin, which is in Jesus Christ. He is the only hope. He is the antidote for their sin. Anybody in this community, if they have a need, they can go and get it filled. If they are hungry, they can walk into a restaurant. If they are hurt, they can walk into a hospital. If they need medication, they can walk into a pharmacy. But the church is the only place that is going to be committed to dispensing the gospel of Jesus Christ, the remedy for sin, and the resource for hope. It is found in the church that is committed to the gospel. It is the only place, yeah, that, that is something that we should rejoice over. This is the hope of the world. And your serving and your commitment to the gathering of believers creates a space for the outsider to walk in. And I'm not just talking about a building. I'm talking about into the kingdom of God. 
So wherever you are, find a church that is faithful to the gospel and be committed to it. Serve it well because this is what the church needs now. They, greater than you, greater than I. And that's how you can save a life through serving. I want to close with this last thought. I want to leave you with this. How, how, how many people, show of hands, how many people in here own a truck? Maybe you're outside. We've got some truck owners. Uh, truck owners love their trucks, amen? <laughs> they love their trucks. There's one thing that truck owners hate, though. Whenever someone needs to move something or has something big, who do they, who do they call? The guy with the truck. I get that. I've never had a truck, but I had a minivan. And uh, my mother-in-law, man, she loves to travel. It's almost like every other month she's traveling out of the country. And every time she travels, she, she goes big. She's got all these suitcases, all these luggages, because she's so generous that she wants to bring stuff to people and bring stuff back for people, always giving. And so here's the thing. Whenever she needs to lug all her luggages to LAX, guess whose van she's using? Mine. Mine. And whenever she has to go to LAX to travel again, guess who's driving her in my van to the airport? Me. That's me. And guess who's at time had to wake up at 5 a.m. to get her to catch her flight at LAX or sometimes stay up at 11.30 p.m. to wait at the airport for her arriving flight to take her and her luggage back home? Me. In my van. And guess who's never complained or grumbled in his heart whenever she needed my van and my service? Me. Why? Because she bought me that van. <laughs> that was her gift to us. Right, right when my wife Monica and I were about to give birth to our second child, she said, you can't be driving a little car. You've got a growing family. You need a bigger van. And so she purchased this van. And don't call it a van. It was a Toyota Sienna, the Swagger Wagon. Amen? It was a Swagger Wagon. And it came fully loaded, full leather, fully automatic, full everything, full options. Best part about it? Fully paid. <laughs> Fully paid. I didn't have to pay a single dime. It was a free gift. That's grace. And so when she asks for me and my service, it's my honor. <laughs> right? It is my honor. I'll serve you. I'm so thankful. And when I think about what Christ has done for me, I think about the fact that my debt has been paid. Fully paid. That my life is a gift of grace. The gifts he's given me is grace upon grace. And then he asked for my life, my service. It's my honor. How can I not? How can I not serve him who came not to be served, but to serve? And to give his life as a ransom for many, including sinners like me.
how can I not serve him and his body and his people and his world? What mercy, what grace is that? So church, I urge you, just like Paul urged the church in Rome, Romans chapter 12, 1, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in response to his grace, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, a living and holy sacrifice of acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Amen? Let's serve them, church. Would you guys close your eyes and bow your heads with me? I, I just want you to have a moment to respond and just talk to the Lord. Thank Him. Thank Him for His mercy and thank Him for His grace. And if the Spirit is so moving in your hearts, then offer yourself to Him as a sacrifice. If you're willing, say, God, I'll sacrifice my comfort. I'll sacrifice my convenience. Use me as you please. Bible talks about giving in 2 Corinthians 8. It's talking about material giving, but I think this applies to our spiritual giving as well. It should never be under compulsion. It should never be out of guilt. It should always be out of a cheerful heart. And if that's ever you, and I pray it is, I pray that you would offer yourself to serve Him in any way, whether it's on a ministry in this church or maybe it's out at the marketplace. Wherever you're available, serve Him. And so, Lord, we just want to declare that you are worthy. Your mercy and your grace is overwhelming. God, continue to overwhelm us to the point where we cannot help but to serve you with everything, God. Use us for your glory. There's a world that needs you now, they need your love expressed through us so may we serve to that end so that people would know jesus the son the one who sets us free we worship you in your name amen